Next on BYU Sports Nation, mistakes doom BYU against Washington. What happened and what's next? What is the impact of Tyson Williams' knee injury on the running backs and the rest of the BYU season? And the Cougars go 2-2 two and two in the first four. How are you feeling about it? BYU Sports Nation starts now. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is great to have you with us. Monday, September 23rd, I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is recovering from another going-for-two loss. So I'm teamed up with a man who doesn't go as hard as Derwin Gray, Jason Shepard. Look, I don't think I'm the only one that would lose in a foot race to Derwin Gray. Especially because we nobody should be surprised by the performance we saw from the former Cougar running out onto the field on Saturday. He called his shot on this show on Friday. In fact, we have that. If I pull the right hamstring, I'm still going. When I pull the left hamstring, I'm still going. And then I'm just going to dive like I'm reaching for the pylon. And if I get trampled by the team, it's worth it. I'm going in. And he did. And he did. Here's video from his wife. And you see him kind of stuck. Now, look, he's behind the American flag. Look at him go. Look at that. That was a stretch he comes. (laughs) Holy snackies. Derwin Gray. Like the flash. That's how he lives life right there. He is not taking second place from anybody. He is charging to the lead. I love it. And then Ty Detmer was asked if he thought he'd beat Derwin Gray on countdown to kickoff, and he said, I'm just trying to beat Mo (laughs) Elamanibi. And I don't know what happened there, whether Ty outran him. By the way, uh, early rise and shout-out to uh, Cougar Growl anywhere? Hello? Uh, to there it is. Thanks to uh, the whole marketing staff. The setup. I know you were in Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas uh, on Saturday. But the whole setup, man. Beautiful weather. Amazing uniforms. Ty Detmer. It looked amazing on television Jason from my Buck, hotel room in Gray. Manhattan. It was awesome. Kansas. It was awesome. The game wasn't as awesome. <laughs> it was but not as awesome. Everything around the game was so cool. Here's what's on the show rundown today. ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the Washington game. BYU's two and two. Final eight for the Cougs. Toledo, we'll talk to him about all of that. My lead groweth ever larger and going for two. <laughs> and what happened against Washington? Is it a coincidence that BYU coughed it up, more penalties, more drops against the top two teams on the schedule? We'll discuss. Plus an update on how all of BYU's opponents fared. That's coming up. But first, today's headlines. BYU football loses to number 22 Washington 45 to 19. BYU's three turnovers led to 14 points, including a scoop and score directly. Husky quarterback Jacob Eason, that's not a comment on his uh, physique. It's a comment it could on be. mascot from Washington. Went 24 of 28, 290 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. Basically, the Washington quarterback has torched BYU the last two years. BYU tight end Matt Bushman says the Cougars didn't play their best game. Um, I think we made them look a lot better than they truly were. They're a really good team, but we just are mistakes and I mean, I had, a, I had a couple mistakes that I'm not too happy about. And just as, a, as an offense, we didn't do too well. So, yeah, those mistakes made them look like world beaters out there. Cheers in a row. Washington looked like world beaters out there. BYU at Toledo Saturday on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. 
Tyson Williams announces via social media that he has a torn ACL in his left knee and will miss the remainder of the season. Williams is leading the Cougars in rushing with 270 yards through four games. Huge bummer. Huge loss. Oh my gosh. We will discuss in a moment, Trending. Jamal Williams led the Packers with 59 rush yards on 12 carries. Also got super stoked after one particular carry for a first down. He had two catches for 27 yards to help the Packers defeat the Broncos 27-16. Fred Warner had three tackles in the Niners' 24-20 win against the Steelers. Number 12, BYU Women's Volleyball defeated number 2 Stanford in four sets. With And that was on the road, by the way, with senior McKenna Miller adding 18 kills and two aces. The Cougars will travel to Spokane this Thursday to take on Gonzaga in the WCC opener. That's two years in a row BYU's defeated Stanford in the regular season. And it was the first time in four yeah. years that Stanford had lost in its home court. To go wow. there and beat the number 2 team is so impressive. And uh, as mentioned, uh, Last week, we talked about the big win for number seven women's soccer at Kansas. They go to Kansas State. You were there calling the game on the radio. Five nothing on Saturday in Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas, with a hat trick from junior forward Cameron Tucker. In front of the net and a cleanup, and BYU scores. Great job by BYU as Cameron Tucker picks up her third goal of the evening, a hat trick. Did you have a hat and did you throw it? Did not have a hat. Uh, it was not it? a had trick. You, no, it wouldn't. If you have. had one, would you have thrown it? If I'd it had a there? hat, I would have kept it. I like to keep stuff like that. Well, it's a hat trick. You and I appreciated it. my co- my uh, my uh, analyst Avery with the. I like that. Yeah, you're not meant to be unbiased if you're the home. Uh, <laughs> of course not. Radio, right? Of course not. Tucker, by the way, moments ago named West Coast Conference Player of the Week. The Cougars eight and sparkling O this season have yet to allow a goal in the run of play. Yeah. Uh, they play at Long Beach State Thursday, and then you and I will be on the call, uh, radio and TV. Yeah. You see Irvine Saturday, BYU Radio. It's BYU Battle of the TV. Ratings again. <clears throat> I'll give you a couple zeros. <laughs> Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Down goes Brigham, 45-19. Not the ideal Saturday result for the Cougars against Washington, but it was uh, an amazing day, amazing scene. Unfortunately, the result didn't match everything else, but BYU... Uh, loses to Washington for the second year in a row. Last year it was by 28. This year it's by 26. I thought the margin would be uh, a little closer than last year. It actually was very similar. So there's a lot to discuss. Jason, what's your reaction to the loss to 22nd-ranked Washington? I'm not surprised by the loss itself, but I am surprised by the margin and the mistakes that we saw from BYU. Look, Washington is very good, and despite what anybody said in the preseason, they are the best team currently in the Pac-12. They're the team to beat, in my opinion, after the first four weeks. Yes. BYU made too many mistakes to beat a team as good as Washington. And then losing your top running back for half the game didn't help. Plus, with so many injuries on defense, BYU's depth was challenged. You can live with losing to a better team, but you know that the coaches are very unhappy with the mistakes, some of which led directly to points against. So the loss itself, it's, it's not crazy. But the, the way it happened, and, and once again, BYU's 2-2. Two and two. In the two games they won, didn't turn the ball over. In the two games they've lost, turned the ball over, led directly to points. It, it's... It seems pretty simple in terms of that. Listen, I don't nail everything I say on this set. I certainly miss on a lot of things. I did not miss on this one, though. During the summer, I said in the fourth game, playing a Power 5 in a row and playing this team, there was BYU was probably going to lose. And, yeah, they lost, and it wasn't close, right? And I said last week, beating USC and Tennessee is one thing. 
beating Washington is another. Um, and USC goes and beats Utah, right? So it's like, oh, wait, maybe USC actually is pretty good. Fourth power, five in a row, top two team on BYU's schedule. You say it's the, the top team. Uh, it looks they're certainly top two. BYU lost to a power five champ, by the way. Can we acknowledge that? This isn't like a South Division champ. It's the North Division champ and the winner of the Pac-12 two of the last three years. That's a really good team. Jacob Eason's probably an NFL quarterback. That team's on a different level than BYU. The reason BYU was in the game against USC is because they had two interceptions in the first quarter, right? And BYU turned that into 10 points. Otherwise, if it's an equal, equally played game, perhaps BYU doesn't win that and they're 1-3. and three. But they're 2-2. Two and two. We'll discuss that in a moment. BYU made a bunch of mistakes uh, against Washington, which is what good teams do. They make you make yes. a play, and you may maybe exert yourself in a weirder way. There's a reason that against Utah and Washington, BYU didn't play well. It's because they're better teams, so they force more turnovers. There's more drops, and there's more penalties. That's what happens. BYU's banged up and playing good competition. This was highly predictable. Fourth Power 5 game, really good team. It's going to be tough to be able to win that game. And, and I continue to say, and I'll get it to more in a moment, if you're going to play four power fives in a row, get used to being 500 or worse. That's just how it is in the first four. I, if BYU was in a power five league, I believe that they could get the Britton Coveys and the Semi Fajokos and maybe the Tanner McKees more often than they do now. I think BYU's ones are fine. It's the backups when you get injured that need to be better. And right now, that's where BYU's struggling a little bit. On to topic number two, and this is such a horrible story to have to talk about, but when Tyson Williams went down holding his knee, you certainly hoped it wasn't something really serious. Unfortunately for Tyson, the worst-case scenario was reality. Yesterday, Tyson announced on social media that his season is done after suffering a torn ACL in his left knee. Jerem, how big is the loss of Tyson Williams? That's a huge loss. It's a huge loss. Tyson Williams was a power five back that somehow BYU got to come to BYU for one season. I don't know how they got him, but he was fun to watch in the first four games. 5.4 yards per carry, really good option out of the backfield. The game winner, of course, against uh, Tennessee and had two rushing touchdowns in that game. He was really good, and now he's out for the year. Oh, it just stinks. Is BYU going to be probably okay at the running back spot against its competition last night? Probably. But I think BYU's Tyson Williams, he could, he could have been a thousand-yard rusher. I really think he was going to rush for a thousand. Oh, I agree 100%. He, he was a tremendous running back, and this is a real bummer. I'm wondering what's next for him. Can he get a medical redshirt somehow? Does he want to stay at Provo? Um, depends on what he wants, right? He could drop out of school right now recover, try and try out for the NFL. It's up to him. My guess is that we won't see Tyson Williams again as a BYU Cougar. That's just me saying, not with any knowledge of the situation. But now you look to Emmanuel Supa, who came on nicely in the second half, has shown a a little bit, right? A uh, senior there at Lopini Katoa perhaps will get more run, had the nice return to the 50-yard line, the 48-yard return. Uh, You look to those guys and some other young guys like uh, Sione Finau and uh, Jackson McChesney and others. He was a power five back, and now, uh, now BYU will have to have other guys uh, step up. Before we get to how it affects the team, you feel the worst for Tyson himself. He was playing so well. He had really found a rhythm and, and honestly had found a place where he was the featured guy. You know, he, he was at South Carolina and was battling with, with other guys and just didn't feel like it was the right fit for him. Coming here to BYU was the right fit for him, and it st- you saw it on the field playing out. 
I don't know what the rules are in terms of grad transfers, being able to get years back. I hope it's a possibility because I think Tyson deserves a chance to play again. And I'm like you, we we don't know if he does get it back, if he's coming back. I, I would certainly think if he liked his time and by everything that we know he enjoyed his time here I would imagine if he is able to play another year I I don't think it's crazy to think he would be back but we certainly don't know that Um, as for what it means for the team they're losing their leading rusher in both yards and attempts and their leading scorer with three touchdowns I mean this guy not only has been fantastic with the stats but he's been producing results getting in the end zone and now BYU's run game falls on the shoulders of Emmanuel Supa, and it's good that he's healthy and feeling good. He got his first touchdown last week, obviously, on Lopini Katoa. Uh, these, these are the guys that are going to have to pick up the slack and give Zach Wilson and the offense the ground game that's crucial for this BYU offense. With, for BYU to do what they want to do in general – you got to have some sort of rushing attack, and we saw that with Tyson, exactly what it did in terms of opening up the pass game. It opened things up for Zach himself. Like it, it's, it's crucial for now Emmanuel and Lopini to be able to pick up that slack. Will we see Jaron Hall at running back, I wonder? Would, would be why you go there, right? Obviously, the depth chart is Supa and Kato, and we will see. So best wishes to Tyson and his recovery. Absolutely. And whatever is next. Topic three. All summer we said 2-2 two and two was the goal here. BYU sits at 2-2 two and two with... Two overtime wins against Tennessee and USC. Two blowout losses to top 25 teams in Utah and Washington. Now that we're here, how does 2-2 two and two feel, Jason? Okay, first and foremost, before the season started, we all said 2-2. Two and two. That's like if BYU can be 2-2 two and two in the first month, okay, well, like you said, we're here. BYU is 2-2. Two and two. How do I feel about it? I, I feel good. Now, certainly when the last memory is a loss, yeah, that doesn't feel like good. that doesn't feel good. But in terms of the overall way BYU's coming out of the first four games from a win-loss perspective, I think you're feeling pretty good. They did what they needed to do in order to keep the, the eight-win-plus scenario on the table. There's always going to be a little disappointment when you lose that last game. But 2-2 two and two with the schedule to beat Tennessee on the road. And, I, I mean, I, I understand what Tennessee is. That'll always but, be a good one. But it, you're still yeah. going on the road in the SEC and getting a road win. And then beating a very good USC team that was flying high the week before. That should make everybody happy. Again, you know, could it be better? Sure. But I think you're very happy with 2-2. Two and two. There's a lot of work to be done. But BYU had the start it needed to set up the rest of the year. Yeah, I think 2-2 two and two feels good. Because of where BYU's at in the program, they have 11 wins the last two seasons, right? They're trying to get back to kind of being an 8-plus win team. To me, that's the minimum bar for being a good team in college football. you got to win at least eight, right? You win two-thirds, essentially. And who BYU's playing? Not only is it four power fives, it's three ranked teams. I don't think we expected it to be three ranked teams. I think we thought it would be two ranked teams in Utah and Washington. Here it is, three, and BYU went two and two. So I, I think it's fine. Projecting forward, it's kind of hard to know what BYU is, though. Uh, because the Cougars beat number six Wisconsin last year, but ended up seven and six. So here BYU is two and two. Does this mean automatically they're going to be eight and four? It feels like it's pushing that direction, which I think is good. That allows for a six and two record in the regular season the rest of the way. But injuries are stacking up. Zane yeah. Anderson, as announced by Kalani Sataki after the game, out for the year. Isaiah Kafusi banged up. Chaz you banged up. MLP, where is he? Is he 100%? I thought we'd see him more this week. Um, Keenan Peely. Missed the game. Troy Warner and Chris Wilcox still aren't playing in the secondary, right? Are they, are they going to be out for the season? They haven't been ruled out quite yet, so I guess not. Um, two and two is good, all things considered. Yet, I'm going to go back to what I've been saying. And I know it annoys some of you, but the point is still relevant. 
the standard is Shaq's free throw percentage right now. 50%. Like, <laughs> why is it 50%? Why is the goal 50%? We could say 3-1, and one, but realistically, 2-2 two and two is a good thing. Why, can't, why does it have to be four power fives in a row? In 2020, BYU will play four in a row, five of the first six, six overall. In 21, three in a row, seven total. 22, three in a row, five total. 23, four in a row, six total. This is what the first four is probably going to be for a while unless BYU musters more magic. And the bottom line is it's BYU's won 40% of its Power Fives historically. I don't understand why BYU stacks so many at the beginning if you want to be relevant the whole season. Right now, BYU's going to have to win four games in a row, including beating Boise State, who's the highest-ranked Group of Five team, by the way, with UCF's lost at Pitt. To do that, it's just a tough situation. I would rather I would rather have a group of five and or FCS team in there, so the BYU could be three and one and ranked. If BYU was three and one, they'd be ranked and it'd be awesome. This is a very unique take from you. Why is this the first time we're hearing this? Yeah. Well, let's keep playing at least three in a row. Every I I just don't get it. I don't. Our question of the day: As a BYU fan, how do you feel right now about being two and two? Let's get to the voice of the nation. This is the voice of the nation. On BYU Sports Nation. At Silver Bullet LLC. It's also like free advertisement. Nice. Good. <laughs> Everyone told me they would be 0-4. That was certainly a possibility. Sure. Let's acknowledge that BYU is this close to being 0-4 after two overtime. But they're not. But they're not, which is good. Uh, now BYU plays a quality group of five slate at Toledo, at South Florida. I think South Florida stinks. Boise State, really good. And then Utah State. I don't know, Boise State, really good. They're good. Really good? Okay, good then. Whatever. They're, they're in the top 20. Agreed. Yeah. We, I get, we will find out in Provo in a couple of weeks, yeah. I guess. At Bright Inks on Twitter. Is that also a company? Is it just company tweeting? <laughs> we were supposed to be, or to go 0-4. 2-2 and is a great start, considering how young our team is. Here's 2-8 straight. Yeah, you can debate uh, how young BYU is. They're young in some spots. I would say BYU is kind of medium level of experience, right? It's not like senior heavy or freshman, sophomore heavy. Yeah, but missions, though, so. Yeah, those have really helped BYU <laughs> to a 4-0 start. Sorry, I sounded like an opposing coach right now. I apologize. <laughs> Coming up, how concerned are you about BYU's mistakes from Saturday's game? And ESPN's Trevor Maddich on what now for Brigham after the loss to Washington and Toledo on deck. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us Tuesday nights for BYU football with Kalani Satake, 8.30 Eastern Time, 5.30 Pacific Time on the BYU TV app. As Coach Satake discusses the Washington game and previews the matchup with Toledo, you can reserve your seats on BYUcougars.com slash Satake Show. This is BYU Sports Nation, simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Great to have you with us and great to have our next guest. It's a Maddich Monday. His name is Trevor Maddich, former BYU Cougar, national champ, NFL player. And now he works at ESPN and he hangs out with us on Mondays. And he is on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Trevor, great to have you back as always. Well, it's great to be here. It's not a happy week, but, you know, we're, we're moving forward. We'll talk about BYU in the first four in a moment, but what were some of your assessments and takeaways from BYU's loss to Washington? I thought they fought hard. I thought they were outmanned. Part of the reason they were outmanned was injuries. BYU just can't afford that. And part of the reason was depth. When you're, you're facing a team like Washington that can throw their second lines 
on both lines of scrimmage in there if they need to. Uh, in there, and they're just about as good as the first, where BYU's starters have to play a lot more because there's more of a drop off because of depth. Then you're going to end up getting beat down, and that's kind of the way it was. And I think it kind of told in this third cons- or fourth consecutive game against a Power Five opponent. No other school in the nation, I believe, has played four consecutive Power Five opponents, much less uh, three of them ranked at the time they played them. Uh, so this is a, uh, a really difficult schedule, and I thought the fight was there, the effort was there, and that's really the most you can ask from a group that's been facing such a physical start. Trevor, when Tyson Williams went down and was helped off the field, you're certainly hoping for the best, not just for BYU, but certainly for him. We found out he announced via social media he tore his ACL. He's done for the year. How big of an effect does the loss of Tyson Williams have on BYU's offense? It's huge. Physically, he was able to pound it in there. I mean, he looks like an SEC running back. And the the actual physicality will be missed. But more than that, I think the, the, the mental side, where guys believe that with Tyson Williams, they had the ability to pound that ball and really improve that running game as the season wore on, that is lost as well. So now other guys will have to step up and create that same kind of belief and excitement in the locker room that Tyson Williams did. I would love for BYU to be in a Power 5 conference one day and for them to be able to get the recruits that can handle this kind of schedule and the amount of Power 5s and the tough schedule that BYU is aspiring to play. But right now that's not the case, and BYU's played four Power 5s in a row, as you mentioned, three ranked. And unfortunately, it seems like BYU gets banged up when they go out of the gates against competition like this. And in the next couple of years, as we outlined earlier, uh, BYU is going to play three or four Power Fives to start a season often. This is the model BYU's chosen. Um, but it's tough, it seems like, Trevor, because BYU's got some injuries. They had to throw Tyler Algier running back at uh, linebacker on Saturday. Right, linebacker to running back, back to linebacker. I mean, there's the, the recruits, they get are good enough to compete at this level. The problem is they're just not enough. The SEC famously has been called not just a line of scrimmage league, but a line of scrimmage depth league. And I think all the Power Five is like that to one degree or another. And when BYU is able to to hold up on that front line and then put in a second line to play almost as many plays, this is defensively now especially, a second rotation to play almost as many plays as a starting rotation, and there's not much of a drop-off. Then the starters come back in and they're fresh. Then the backups come back in. There's not much of a drop-off. It's a, it's a huge difference from what BYU is able to do right now as an independent, which is have that first line in there be really stout and really good. But the second line is still in a stage of their development that there is a drop-off. It's not so much a matter of talent as it is a matter of talent combined with the, the readiness to go in. And that's just the nature of where BYU is in the college football hierarchy and their ability to recruit. And I'm not denigrating any individual player here. Just to say that if BYU was in a Power 5 conference, you would see a similar recruiting trajectory as we've seen with Utah, where they've been able to recruit more of those guys. Instead of having just a few, they've got a bunch, and they're able to rotate now a defensive line that on the second line has a bunch of future NFL guys, the backups. And for BYU to approach that level, what they've got to do is 
go more than just two and two against the schedule like they started with. Go three and one, and then do it again, and then do it again. That will attract more of those recruits in depth and will allow BYU to build that depth that they need to, to really compete without getting injured. Because keep in mind that in this fourth game against Power 5 to start the season, BYU starters probably had to play a lot more than the Power 5 team starters that they played. And that tends to wear on you as time goes on. It's a Maddich Monday here on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor Maddich joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Trevor, if you are an opposing team that can run the ball, so far you've been able to have success on the ground against the BYU defense. What is your concern level that teams are able to run the ball like they have been against this defense? It's a, it's a health concern more than anything else. Not having Zane Anderson is a huge deal. Anderson is one of those guys that's able to fully complement the kind of thumping defensive lineman that BYU's have, the Kyrus Tongas of BYU's line that can just eat up blockers and allow guys like Zane Anderson to fly around to, to knife through gaps and make tackles behind the line all over the field. And not having him there, having other guys hurt or if not hurt, certainly dinged up, Chaz Aryu and others that are, that are banged up if not out, let's put it that way, um, that hurts BYU. And so I think that as guys get healthier, and I think as the schedule levels out, you'll see a better representation of what BYU is capable of in terms of stopping the run. It was just a, a perfect storm of schedule combined with injuries that have made the defense look worse than it really is. I wonder if there comes a point, Trevor, where BYU in its two losses turned it over more, dropped balls, more penalties, that kind of thing. If that's not a coincidence, if that is brought on because the opponent is superior and you're trying to make a play, right? Yet in BYU's two wins against USC and Tennessee, BYU positive in the turnover margin, didn't drop as many passes, limited penalties. Uh, How do you see it? Is that a product of the competition being good or BYU just didn't play well on those days? It's a... It's a, I think a little bit of both. I think when the competition is good, you try to force it a bit to make a play, and that's counterintuitive to what really needs to happen, and that is first do no harm. More football games are lost than they are won, but a lot of times in striving to win, you put the ball in a dangerous place or you leave your gap on defense or something like that that actually makes it more likely that you'll lose. And BYU has had a real problem in recent games, heading back to last, last season, of giving up non-offensive touchdowns. Pick sixes and scoop and score, and you know we had a punt return by Washington for a touchdown. And, and if they just stopped that, took care of the ball better, and maybe lived the punt instead of trying to make a play, then I think you'd see also them being able to play from a more reasonable score situation. And so I think that's one of the, the most important things for – players that are getting used to this kind of schedule to understand the Hippocratic oath of football is critical. First, do no harm. Then go make plays. Toledo is BYU's next opponent. BYU will head to the Glass Bowl coming up on Saturday. The Rockets coming off a victory over Colorado State on the road. They're running back. Bryant Kobach rushed for a career-high 228 yards with three touchdowns. How do you think the Cougars match up this week against Toledo? Well, ordinarily, they'd match up pretty well, but I think they're banged up. I think they'll feel it in their bodies. I think the injuries 
and being thin at linebacker are going to matter because linebackers against a running back like this are going to have to not only thump on the downhill run, but they'll have to take on blockers and change direction. And that tires you out as well. Add to that that the quarterback at Toledo is a really good runner as well. And Tyler Huntley was the only real rushing threat at quarterback that BYU has faced so far of Utah. And he made a lot of big running plays, important running plays against the Cougars when they were fully fresh. So this is a threat. Toledo is not necessarily a huge step down there or the favorites to win the Mid-America Conference. And they've got the kind of combination running back and running quarterback that is a real threat. And so, you know, they, they'll need to really suck it up and strap it on against these guys because Toledo is no cupcake. They're no joke. And uh, nationally, let's look at what's going on. Who's your surprise team in college football so far? It seems like it's been somewhat predictable, but is there a surprise team for you so far this season? Yeah, um, my big surprise team is Michigan. For the opposite reason (laughs) of being a good surprise team. I actually had Michigan being in the playoff. I thought that their, their new offensive scheme combined with the talent that we know they have on offense would combine with a, a championship level defense that's replaced a lot of guys that went off to the NFL with more guys that are fast and athletic and can play. But the offense, sometimes those guys look like they've never played football before in their lives. The, the best way to describe it is clunky. And the most charitable grade to give it right now is incomplete because they're losing fumbles as fast as you can, you can almost hand off the ball. They don't know who to block. They don't hit the right holes. They look like they're not coached. They look like they're not well coached. And the scheme doesn't put them in a very good position. Now, how much of that is the players not executing? And how much it is the coaches not developing them correctly remains to be seen. But I thought Michigan would come into the season with a championship-level defense, which they did, um, and that the offense would pick up, which it did not. And you saw the defense against Wisconsin of uh, the Wolverines get completely deflated. It kind of hurt my heart a little bit because once Wisconsin got up two scores, the Michigan defense looked like they knew that their own offense would not be able to catch up, and they seemed demoralized. You know, their body language, they were slouching and looking down and walking slowly and things like that. It just, it just was awful. And I just don't see any hope for Michigan, any hope, as long as the offense looks like it does. See, with BYU, when they've been overmatched, they fought hard and they never quit. It looked like against Washington that Michigan defense, I don't want to say they quit, but I want to say they look demoralized, and that really surprises me. Yeah, a lot of unhappy campers in Ann Arbor today. As always, Trevor, we appreciate the time. Where are you going to be this week? Uh, we're, uh, radio's going to be home. I'm heading right now down to Washington, D.C., where the Redskins will host the Bears on Monday Night Football. Very nice. I'll be in pregame and postgame. Yep. Okay, have a great uh, analysis tonight, and thanks for the time, Trevor. All right, thanks, guys. That's Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. Coming up, updating our going for two picks, and somebody is dominating. Plus, we discuss mistakes. I've made a huge mistake, Joe Bluth. There's money in the banana stand. <laughs> and how did BYU's opponents fare? We'll update you. This is BYU Sports Nation. 
Join us Mondays for Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV. Hey, that's today. It's Jeff Grimes, Elisa Tuiaki, and Ed Lamb discuss Cougar football Mondays today at 1 Eastern, 10 Mountain Time on BYU TV with Greg Rubel. We see a shot of him right now on BYU TV getting ready. There yeah, he is. They're down the hallways getting mic'd up, ready to rock, always always ready with his uh, information and questions. Love it. Welcome back. Jeremy Jordan, Jason Shepard here down the hallway in Studio B. Greg's in Studio C. Maybe somebody's in Studio A. Who knows? Uh, we're on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Let's refresh today's headlines. BYU football loses to number 22 Washington, 45-19. BYU's three turnovers led to 14 points, including a scoop and score directly. Jacob Eason of Washington went 24 of 28 for 290 yards and three touchdowns and an interception. BYU plays at Toledo Saturday on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. Tyson Williams announces via social media that he has a torn ACL in his left knee and will miss the remainder of the season. Williams is leading the Cougars in rushing with 270 yards and three touchdowns through four games. Jamal Williams led the Packers with 59 rushing yards on 12 carries. He also had two catches for 27 yards to help the Packers defeat the Broncos 27-16. Fred Warner had three tackles in the Niners' 24-20 win against the Steelers. Number 12, BYU Women's Volleyball. Defeated number two Stanford at Stanford in four sets with senior McKenna Miller adding 18 kills and two aces. The Cougars began WCC play this week Thursday at Gonzaga. And number seven women's soccer beat up on Kansas State 5-0 on Saturday as heard by Jason Shepard on the call Saturday night with a hat trick from West Coast Conference Player of the Week forward Cameron Tucker. The Cougars 8-0 this season. They play at Long Beach State Thursday. They host UC Irvine this Saturday. We don't always do it on Mondays. It's called Tracking Cougar Opponents. Let's get you updated on how BYU's opponents did last week. Jason? So jazzy. I like this music. This is nice. Toledo. Jazzy? I don't know. It's kind of I would a, not call this jazzy. It's not jazzy, but okay. I, don't, I don't know. Very good or good? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Toledo, who BYU will face next, beat Colorado State in Fort Collins 41-35 on Saturday evening. Running back Bryant Kobach rushed for 228 yards Whoa! with three touchdowns on just 19 carries. Toledo now 2-1, and one, hosting the Cougars nine, excuse me, noon Eastern on Saturday. We, we wish it was, I was gonna say, no, no, 9 I Eastern lo- would be even earlier. I love that it's earlier. Your pregame is going to start at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. pregame, breakfast with Shep. Let's yeah. do it. I like that. Let's do that. I just went third person. Also, yeah. You know what? Five-yard penalty. South Florida is 1-2, and two, had a bye week. The Bulls host 4-0 SMU, receiving votes outside the top 25. Boise State remains undefeated as they beat Air Force Friday 30-19. Broncos are now 4-0 and moved to 16th in the AP poll. 16, huh? Boise has a bye week before heading to Las Vegas to take on UNLV. It's nice to be Boise State. You- don't beat anybody that good, and you're four out. That's how you do it, though. That's how you do it. Utah State survived at San Diego State, 23-17. JK, they're up 23-3. That's the game that they, uh, yeah, they did survive. Two and one now for Utah State. Gary Anderson. They host Colorado State Saturday. The Aztecs are three and one after the loss, and that is BYU's 12th opponent. Liberty, I will save the uh, jingle I was going to sing because it yeah, takes too much to time. For exactly. Moves to 500 on the season with a, how about this, 62-27 win over Hampton. The Flames are now 2-2 two and two and host New Mexico on Saturday. Idaho State, BYU's FCS opponent, lost to Northern Iowa 13-6. A lead for Rokmanesh did not suit up for Northern Iowa. Portland State is up next for the 1-2 and two Bengals. 
UMass continues to look for its first win of the season after falling 62-28 to to Coastal Carolina. The Minutemen will try and get in the win column this week at home against Akron. The fighting LeBron James. And to the teams that BYU's already faced, 10th-ranked Utah, now 19th-ranked Utah after losing 30-23 at USC. Utah uh, decided not to make any schematic changes, played man-to-man, and it cost them. Third-string QB Matt Fink came in after Keaton Slovis left after two plays with a hand injury. No problem. They uh, produce quarterbacks like granules of sand in Southern California. The Utes host Wazoo this week, who somehow lost to UCLA despite being up 34. That was nuts. Chip Kelly doesn't even know how that happened. Chip Kelly's like, am I still at Oregon or what? The Trojans jump back into the polls at 21, play at Washington this week, who jumped up, by the way, to 17. And the Tennessee Volunteers, they open SEC play on the road in Gainesville. Good luck with that. They get demolished 34-3. Good luck retroactively? By, yeah, ninth-ranked <laughs> Florida. Yeah, look. If you're their backup quarterback. If you're trying to get on, uh, trying to snap a losing streak, going to the Swamp is probably not the best place. They're in the top ten. Man. I know. The Vols get the week off before hosting third-ranked Georgia. And that wraps it up. So BYU uh, at Toledo this week. Our question of the day, as a BYU fan, how do you feel right now about being 2-2? Two and two? At Bobo underscore Sarah on Twitter. 2-2 two and two is pretty good. Wish it could have been closer with Washington, but they're a good team. Played to win. Uh, BYU, I hope, did as well. Tyson out with the season-ending injury is a bummer for sure. Never want to see these guys injured. Got to keep pushing on and working hard the rest of the season. And we'll continue to discuss this this week. I think we all need to be careful. Don't assume that BYU, oh, it's worse competition. Now it's going to be a ton easier. Yes, it's going to be easier in that you're not going to have power five guys, four stars, five stars littered throughout the, the opposing team. But Toledo's, Toledo's quality club. They're, yeah, they're to, Toledo is win the MAC, yep. uh, uh, a, a G5 champ kind of team. Be careful. Boise State, obviously, BYU has almost won a bunch, but not. Two and seven. Utah State's a team that's won three of five against BYU. South Florida has shown that they're not very good. I think BYU should go down and win that game. But uh, some compelling matchups coming up. Without question. Coming up, a Cougar calls her shot and delivers in our rising shoutouts. Okay. And how concerned are you about the mistakes from Saturday? We'll break it down. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Breakdown Cougar football with Dave McCann, Blaine Fallon, David Nixon, and Brian Logan tomorrow. Do it. After further review, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on the BYU TV app with a rebroadcast on BYU TV Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard here with you. BYU 2-2 two and two after 4. In two of these games, BYU lost the turnover margin, lost the game, won the turnover margin, won the game in the other two. So let's talk about some of the mistakes that happened Saturday. Obviously, three turnovers, not mm-hmm. good. BYU got two takeaways, albeit one kind of late when the result was probably decided at that point. But too many dropped passes, BYU gave up a punt return as well. Um, are you concerned about those mistakes made in that game moving forward, or was that isolated to that game? No, I mean, I, I think it's something to be concerned about. I mean, I, I think the coaches are, are talking to the players about it because it is something that needs to be discussed. I mean, it's, it's not a coincidence that you lose the turnover margin in the two losses and you win the turnover margin in the two wins. Now, granted, it, it's not a guarantee either way, but the trends will tell you if you turn the ball over a lot, you're probably going to lose the game. And, and we saw that. And it's not just the turnovers. It's, it's 
other mistakes. It's drop passes. It's, it's things like that that could put you in a better situation that kills drives, takes away momentum. Um, certainly, you know, a, a scoop and score that, that leads directly to points. Three defensive touchdowns yeah. this year? Yeah. Three? Are you kidding me? Um, I, I think if BYU-Utah play an even turnover game, I, I still think Utah wins the game, but I just, I just want to see it. Yeah, you right? want to just to see I, how I, it plays out yes. with it being a clean game turnover-wise. Yes, or even, right? And not, over, not all turnovers are created equal. There's no indicator when you get a turnover of what that meant. Was it in plus territory? Did it lead to a score? Was it directly a score, right? In BYU's two losses, they've also given up a defensive touchdown, right? Two against Utah, one against Washington. So some costly mistakes. And like we talked about with Trevor Maddich, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that Washington and Utah are that much better than BYU to the point where they can create these yeah. mistakes. Some are self-inflicted, and that's where you go, okay, we can be better. But the one, like the strip sack and scoop and score, that is a skill play from Washington. The pick sixes, those are skill plays from Utah. It ceases to be a coincidence when it continues to happen. It's not random. And, and, you know, sometimes the the fan in us, regardless of of what team we're talking about, if you're a fan of a particular team, you don't always want to give the opposition the credit they're due. It's like, well, you know, it's, it's because Utah can't do anything. No, but but you're right. Yeah, you you have to mistakes. give credit yes. where credit is due. Sure. That these teams came in and did what they needed to do to put BYU in a bad spot that forced turnovers. Now I think that BYU can be in an even playing field in that regard against Toledo, South Florida, Boise State, Utah State, and the four in November, three of which BYU is going to win. Right? P- perhaps at San Diego State as well. Right. Now it's a little different. Let's get to our uh, going for two picks. We make some picks. We try and predict what's going on. Let's just say it's going well for me. <laughs> Jeremy's been very excited to do this. Can you predict the future? Absolutely. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. Going for two is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Going into the weekend, I was up 5-1 on Spencer. Uh, Brian... Had, didn't have any points, and Jason didn't chose not to pick. Look, I need so to do, zero a, points. A quick shout out I to standings. We're all four of us yeah, on it. Quick, quick shout out to, <laughs> to Brian here. You're making me look bad for choosing to pick. Mm. Okay, because that's his American right. I though, understand that, but you need. We need to have some solidarity here, Brian, and choose not. To pick. That's just kind of the way I think we need to handle well, yeah, this. I would, have you seen how I'm doing? I would stop picking, too. <laughs> what were Spencer's picks? Spencer's pick. Pick number one. First team to 20 wins. Well, he was correct on that. Considering BYU didn't get to 20. Uh, yeah. Okay. Pick number two for Spencer. Zach Wilson will complete 64% of his passes or more. That is incorrect. Zach was 26 of 42 for 61.9. Utah, or excuse me, Washington was allowing 58% on the year, so that was an aggressive choice. Uh, pick one for me. BYU will score in the first quarter. Why did I say that? Because Washington had outscored its previous three opponents 42 to nothing in the first quarter. So your boy, Jake, I don't want a nickname Oldroyd. Which is a nickname. Had a 43-yard field goal on BYU's first drive. So, bang. And then uh, pick two. Washington will win the turnover battle. I thought they would, and they did. 3-2. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Brian's pick. Pick one. What did he say? Uh, Brian's pick, which, again, I'm against him <laughs> picking at all, but that's fine. He needs to not pick like me. BYU will hold UW to under 24 points. They didn't even hold the reverse. 42. Was no. 45. Yeah, 45 was the total. Pick number two for Brian. 
BYU will have more passing yards than Washington. Mm. Not by much, but... Because BYU trailed the whole game, that's why. 290 to 277 Huskies. By the way, Savan Ahmed doesn't even uh, come on the road trip, the starting running back for Washington, and they just, they just ran all over. So that was disappointing. All right, updated scoreboard. I'm up 7-2, <laughs> so it's going well for me. Brian and Jason have zero as well. Brian yes, has one zero. of us is choosing not to pick. You are, you are N slash A, not available. <laughs> Coming up, a great weekend, and I mean oh. a great weekend for BYU women's volleyball. And how did the Taysom Hill versus Ziggy Ansah Bowl go in Seattle? It didn't go well for the Seahawks, but how to go, well, uh, go for those two guys? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Thanks to today's guest, ESPN's Trevor Manna. The show on demand via podcast and the BYU TV app and BYU radio app. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Loses at home to number 22, Washington, on Saturday. The final score from Lavelle Edwards Stadium, 45-19. BYU's three turnovers led to 14 points, including a scoop and score. Husky quarterback Jacob Eason went 24-28, 290 yards and three touchdowns. Also had an INT. BYU on the road this week at the Glass Bowl in Toledo, taking on the Toledo Rockets Saturday on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. Tyson Williams announces via social media he, he has a torn left ACL and is out for the season. Real bummer. Williams led the Cougars with 270 rushing yards in four games. Cougars in the NFL. Jay Swag Daddy Jamal Williams led the Packers with 59 yards uh, rushing on 12 carries. He also had two receptions for 27 yards to help the Packers defeat the Broncos 27-16. Fred Warner for the 49ers had three tackles in the Niners' 24-20 win over the Steelers. Daniel Sorensen had two tackles in the Chiefs' 33-28 win over the Baltimore Ravens. Taysom Hill had a five-yard rush and a five-yard catch in the Saints' victory over Jerem Jordan's uh, Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks didn't record any stats during the game. Yeah, it was rough. It was a rough one. Yeah. Three former Cougs battled it out yesterday in the Patriots' win over the Jets. Harvey Lange had two tackles. Bronson Kapusi had a tackle for the Jets. Kyle Van Roy of the Patriots had a solo tackle, a tackle for loss, and half a sack. Volleyball. Number 12, BYU Women's Volleyball upset number two Stanford at Stanford in four sets. Senior McKenna Miller had 18 kills and two aces. The Cougars travel to Spokane this Thursday. They will face Gonzaga in the conference opener. Soccer. Number seven, women's soccer beat Kansas State 5-0 on Saturday in Manhattan. Kansas, Kansas with a hat trick from junior forward Cameron Tucker. The Cougars 8-0 this season going into Thursday's game at Long Beach 8. How about that? This team's on fire. Cougars in the major leagues. Taylor Cole pitched two and a third scoreless innings for the Angels on Friday in a loss to the Houston Astros. Jimmer! Wait, Major League Baseball still plays past June? Oh, yeah. I had no idea. And my team just clinched a postseason. Bird. I had no idea as Mariners fan. Jimmer Fredette and Panathinaikos beat... Fernabache, I don't know. Fernabache. Fernabache. In their final preseason game, Fredette had a mere 17 points, so only about half of what he hopes to do per game. Golf. The women's team plays in the Coeur d'Alene Resort Collegiate Invitational today and tomorrow in Idaho. It would be fun to be there. Nice vacation spot. Our rise and shout-outs first. Mine goes to Tyson Williams. I think I speak for both of us when it, it was a privilege to watch him play at BYU. Hopefully things work out for him, whatever's next. Real bummer to lose Tyson Williams to a torn ACL. 
you could argue the second most valuable offensive weapon BYU had to Zach Wilson, perhaps the most irreplaceable guy, um, given how Jaron Hall had planned spring, TBD there, but real bummer to lose Tyson Williams. That was a power five back that BYU somehow got to come here, and it was a privilege to watch him play, and a real bummer that he's out. Absolutely. All right, my rise and shout-out goes to uh, Cam Tucker with uh, number seven, BYU women's soccer. We've, we've mentioned she scored the hat trick in the mm-hmm. 5 nothing win uh, at K-State in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, but she could get it just for that. I'm taking it a step further because oh. she told us on post-game oh boy. that she told her roommate, Sabrina Davis, the keeper, yes. she told Sabrina, I feel like I'm going to get a hat trick tomorrow. How often does she say this is my question. I if so she, she calls game. No, it's different. She, if called, she just called that one. She called awesome. her shot the night before to her roommate. I'm going to get a hat trick tomorrow, and she scored three goals in the game. Wow! Rising shout out goes to Cam Tucker. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome to score three in a game. Fantastic. Question of the day: As a BYU fan, how do you feel right now about being two and two as at Laser Sheep on Twitter? Two and two with the schedule that BYU's played, 10th toughest, that's according to Sagarin's strength of schedule, and the adversity BYU's already had to face is okay. Sure, we'd all like more wins. Who doesn't? Could be worse. So T doesn't always mean a win. It's fine at this juncture. I I agree with that idea, right? It it could be worse. It it probably couldn't be better, given that BYU's lost to two top 20 teams at this point, right? Um, If BYU put together a good game plan against them, they could have won, but... Those teams were on a different level in those games. Yeah, I mean, two and two, again, like that you said. That was the goal. That, that, well, yeah. that, that was, I'm not saying that's what the team's goal was, but that's what, from the outside perspective, not, we were no, talking. No, 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 yeah, the, we're team, not, the team discussion yes. doesn't enter here. Take it one game at a time, yes. 110%. No, 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 no. Two we're, and two after that, again, here. while could be better, <laughs> you're happy and you've set yourself up for success the rest of the way. Elite Voice of the Day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at Donasay1. Al on Twitter. Best we could have hoped for, and Jake kicked a 54-yard field goal. Let's run the table. Hashtag drink in the blue Kool-Aid. Second longest kick in BYU history, by the way. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always use the hashtag BYUSN. Nice catch. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. No time, bro. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Steven Facer. Coordinator's Corner is next on BYU TV with Greg Rubel, Jeff Grimes already in studio. Ed Lamb later. Go Cougs!